Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. Yeah, you know, Baka! 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 Baka. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Baka Baka Baka. We're an anime podcast where every two weeks we watch an anime, then we come on this podcast and we discuss it. We turn our discussion over to our listeners so they can continue it because we are just Baka Baka Bakas. Live up to the hype. We are the hype. I haven't watched it in a long time. I can go see a bridge. We <laughs> are what uh, we watched. Dodge. I'm quitting heroing. And to discuss it, I need the help of my co host. First off, we have the Connor McCloud to my There Can Be Only One. It's Jeremy. I don't know Connor McCloud. What? I, I don't recognize what? the name. I, I, I know Connor McGregor. There can be only one? Um, Highlander? Oh, I didn't know his name. Okay. Yes. Connor McCloud of the Clan McCloud. <laughs> yes. Okay. I like that. I'm, I'm totally for that one. Yes. All right. How are you doing, Jeremy? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, just kind of uh, chilling and um, got some cool little birthday gifts. So I've been playing with those. It's like a bunch of different rocks and stuff. Tanya knows I love geology. So I get to got out a, a Dremel and started chopping into some old rocks, see if I can make something cool. Just that. Very cool. You got a rock. I got a rock. It doesn't it come with eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We also have the Peter Pan to my I will never grow up and I'm always just going to play Path of Exile. It's Jason. How you doing? <laughs> that's, uh, that's so accurate. Hot take. Uh, Highlander, the TV show, was better than any of the movies. That is a hot take. I think you're right. I remember like watching part of a movie and I the, remember the series being better. show was so good. All right, you, you want me to lose my nerd cred? <laughs> I've only ever seen Highlander 2, The Quickening, which is a terrible, terrible movie, but I still love because I was young enough when I saw it, I still loved it anyway. <laughs> I, I don't actually have ever seen first real Highlander or the show. I, didn't your mom love the series? I thought it was your mom. <laughs> it's not a your mama joke. Seriously, I really thought it was your mom that loved the series. I'd have to. I don't remember her watching. The... Okay. Wait, does... Troy, does your mom like fun? I mean, <laughs> no, she likes gardening and yeah. making me eat vegetables. That that's that like my a mom. mom so <laughs> typical mom. What's up to Jason? Uh, besides Path of Exile, um, got to do quite a bit of grinding in uh, new Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two. Um, I hate it. Yeah, it. I, it's so funny, and it, it ha seems to only happen with Modern Warfare uh, because it's happening in 2019, and now it's happening again. Because it didn't happen so much in the other titles between, but you get to this point where you're constantly being just one shot by snipers, and so you end up picking one up yourself just so you can compete. And I don't know the satisfaction of getting a camper that's just sitting behind a rock sniping people is just the the. I don't know. There's a visceral feeling about it. Like, I didn't just get a score. I actually got that guy that's being a jerk. <laughs> I did everyone a favor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if that happens to you. Well, actually, Troy doesn't snipe, so. 
I have learned to snipe. I max leveled all my sniper rifles in Vanguard. Not that I'm proud of that. That's. <laughs> I was about to say that somebody, you can tell somebody's a mouse and keyboard player <laughs> when the sniping's the the pride. Yeah. Con- control uh, console players like to do quick scoping so they don't have to aim. Dude, oh man, the aim down sight on that beta sniper rifle is just the worst. <laughs> Good. It's 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 nearly a full second and a half till it gets gets to your eye and it's just. Ugh. Anyways, yeah, it, 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 I'm actually really happy with the gunplay. I was really worried it was just going to be another cookie cutter Call of Duty. Um, they made some significant changes, uh, some good, some bad, but uh, the gunplay is probably some of the best I've played since 2019. So, yeah, it was fine. I, I didn't like Cold War, like yeah. the gunplay there. Um, Vanguard was okay. But the the guns felt chintzy. I don't know. I, I just didn't like them. Yeah, yeah. It's the difference in companies. They definitely have a different feel to them every time. My name is Troy, and I'm here to talk about my new love, and it's Gundam Evolution. I wondered if that'd come up. Oh my gosh! I can't stop playing. I've been playing <laughs> right up till we started recording. I plan on playing afterwards. I, if if you guys said, hey, can we skip this tonight and just go play Gundam Evolution? I'd be like, yeah, screw this anime. Let's go. It is my new dopamine fix. Um, okay, so I have no context, and I wanted to ask you about this. You said they fixed the ranking system. It was broken? Uh, just that it was like win 10 games and get to go up a rank rather than like three or four. It was uh, really okay. slow progress. Um, in the, So... This is made by Bandai Namco, uh, but so Japanese company. So they tend to be more grindy than American game companies. Whereas like Overwatch is like loot boxes all the time, buy skins. Yeah. This is like, hey, maybe if you play a hundred games, you can unlock another Gundam. <laughs> uh, it, it's, def- it's definitely not perfect. <laughs> and it, if anyone's wondering what it is, it is Overwatch with Gundams. There's nothing else. It is. But it feels so much better to Overwatch for me, probably because I'm in on the ground floor and everyone's learning the Gundams. I don't feel like I'm going in and they've everyone's already mastered Tracer and I can't do anything. Um, but man, I, I bought my first, I unlocked my first non-free Gundam. I, I dipped my toe into rank. I won both times. I'm, I'm just so happy to have a new game to learn. I don't know, you know, who knows how long it'll last, but as of today when we record this, I am loving Gundam Evolution. <laughs> you I said you bought, you got your first non-free. Did you buy it, or is that just an unlocked? Uh, not with money. Yeah, I bought it with in-game currency gotcha. that I've earned from Battle Pass, completing uh, daily objectives. Okay, right on. Uh, I have installed it, so I'm I can play at some point. You just tell me when I will show up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. You can hop in the gun tank and never have to aim. That's my favorite one of my favorite mechs is you don't have to aim. You just auto hit everybody. Yay. I like the sound of that. <laughs> All right. We need to go on and talk about this anime. We watched. I'm on the page, John of the Witch. We did not watch John of the Witch again. We watched I'm Quitting Heroine. And this was Jeremy's pick, so I'll let him start with a non-spoiler review of his thoughts. I really enjoyed this anime. It it starts off uh, very lighthearted. Um, 
and it it winds up taking you places that at least I didn't expect to go. And it was very pleasant, very satisfying. The characters are funny, especially the main character. And um, I I actually don't think there was very much etchy in this, which kind of surprised me because I, I thought there was going to be. There's literally uh, a succubus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's still no etchy. <laughs> there's still no etchy. Um, Multiple. And, yeah. And and so um, I, I, I'm very impressed with it. Um, I would definitely, especially without spoilers, it's very important that you do not have spoilers going into this. Um, I would recommend it to be watched. Hi, Jason, what'd you think? Yeah, this felt very, um, there's an interesting game about, uh, it's, it's kind of a choose your own adventure, but like hero goes to save the princess and then you get to make choices on, and one of the choice paths is, oh, uh, you know, uh, evil, evil, uh, queen is not so bad. Maybe I should join her kind of thing. And it really reminded me of that in the first half. And like Jeremy said, it was pretty lighthearted. But and I went into the first three episodes like, ah, this is okay. It's fairly vanilla uh, fantasy. I almost thought it was going to be an isekai kind of the way they were setting it up. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, took me for a ride in the most lighthearted way. Uh, (laughs) And uh, as I was saying in pre-show, like there was just like. There's some anime that make that stick with you and make you think and do cool uh, uh, mental exercises. And this was one of them. And so, yeah, I was really happy with this one. Yeah, I went into this thinking, okay, another I probably said it on last week's last time's podcast, another generic fantasy anime. I thought that's what we were getting. Um, you meet the main character. He starts speaking and you're like, wait. This is, this is pretty this is pretty funny, lighthearted, <clears throat> not heavy, um, and it just got better, and I enjoyed myself the whole way through. I do feel the first half and the second half are a little disconnected, and I'll get into that in the spoiler section, but I enjoyed both halves equally. I didn't dislike what they did. I just had wished they had through a little more threads between the two, but still really liked whatever they were doing at any time. I was enjoying myself watching this anime, so... Um, I, it's a recommendation for me. It caught me off guard. It's funny you say that because one thing I'll mention is, you know, we, we've been having this problem a lot with a lot of animes we've been watching lately. I don't feel there were too many scenes that felt like wasted or filler. Like there was no time because you mentioned like, you know, I wish there was more threads that would like help connect the two. Um, it almost seemed like there was no time in the 20 minutes that they had. Because uh, I don't, I don't remember too many scenes where I'm like, ah, oh, that, like, why, why am I watching this episode, or why do they have that? I didn't feel that. There may be, I'm but not, I didn't feel it in the moment. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I will say in my notes there was a lot of long scenes where I was just like, and these two characters talk. And there wasn't a whole lot of detail to go into. It, it was very good character building or um, lore establishing. So I'm not saying it wasn't needed or, or useful time, but I'm just saying, like, for my notes, there wasn't a lot of meat in episodes. Um, which I guess which, that's fair. Which but might it, mean nothing, right? <laughs> that doesn't mean it's a bad choice for them to do. And I I, like I said, the, I never felt bored or anything like that. And again, uh, to contrast from ones we've been watching lately, one of the things that, that those moments did is nearly every main character got an arc. And I was really happy with that. 
So, anyways, don't spoil yourself. Watch this one. It's good. Mm-hmm. Unless you really want to, and then just keep listening to this podcast and giving us those views. <laughs> Hit the or like, subscribe buttons. <laughs> go, go watch it and come back and give us two views. Thank you. There you go. Now, now, now you're thinking like a podcast. Ah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what did you guys think of the opening and the closing? Opening was good. Um, it, you know, it, it was a little above middle of the road as far as like animation, but like the scenes they chose to show almost felt sitcom-y. Uh, but the music was good. Um, but I think you mentioned, Troy, there was a little deeper meaning in some of the scenes that I didn't really understand till later on in the in the anime. And then I think halfway through, so like the, the opening, the ED in the first half was pretty generic, but then there's this switch. Uh, I, I, I think yeah. it's episode nine or eight. Yeah. There's like this switch to uh, the, and it's just still scenes of the two main characters. And uh, it, it felt good. Like you're like, Oh, it's about to go down. <laughs> and so uh, I actually really enjoyed that, that switch of the ED. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. I absolutely loved the OP's music, especially. Uh, as Troy would say, it was fire. It and... was fire. <laughs> I love the way you said that, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and I, I really enjoyed the visuals that came with it. Um, the outro, the main outro, eh, eh, not so much. It kind of felt uh, like they were looking to cut costs there. <laughs> A lot of like static images with zooming and panning and things like that. Um, and the music was okay with it, but I, oh man, when they switched for those episodes, yeah, that, that hit hard. That was really, really cool. Um, and it makes sense why they couldn't use that the whole time too, because like even the words of that song are such spoilers. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, yeah, I, really feel the exact same way you guys I, I enjoyed the intro i also thought it was fire um the, the first outro it was fine it very much was matching the tone of the anime and then they switched in the second to the second ending and that was matching the tone perfectly so good stuff um my only thought i kept watching the intro and thinking this anime is a lot lighter than this op thinks it is <laughs> like this <laughs> This OP is going hard with like the drama and really cool action scenes. The scene of uh, Edvard, who we'll talk about a little in, in the spoiler section, when his face like almost goes to a fisheye lens when he gets that big grin on his face, that's some pretty animation. That's some good stuff. And I was like, this OP is going so hard, and we're just kind of doing silly jokes so far. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. These um, are the chores I'm going to help you with. It's like, uh, yeah, there's like no action themes throughout the first half. It's just not action at all. It definitely made sense eventually, but I, I definitely had the thought in the first half, like, huh, <laughs> this is this doesn't fit, but I love it. It's really good, but it's mm-hmm. not fitting <laughs> with what I'm watching on the anime. And, and actually, I had, I had thought, like, I'm going to have to go on the podcast and be like, guys, I think the OP is actually, I like the anime, but I think the OP is better than the anime. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's for a different anime. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, before we go on to the spoiler section, our next anime, probably no surprise to anyone who's paying attention to social media right now, it is Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Uh, this anime is a, a huge hit. Everyone's talking about it. 
I wanted to talk about it first, but we are slow. So <laughs> we're finally getting our turn. Uh, it's only 10 episodes long. It's on Netflix. Um, it is a studio trigger anime. We always have great discussions about those. Uh, Jeremy totally played, couldn't tell. <laughs> Jeremy's played the game Cyberpunk, so he's actually yep. excited. Uh, it's a cyber noir story, so I'm excited. Jason, I don't know how you feel. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's next. Uh, and then from here on, we're going to spoiler section about I'm Quitting Heroine. So if you have not seen it and don't want to be spoiled, which we highly recommend, now would be time to pause the podcast <laughs> or come back and give us another view. All right. So this anime starts. I want to give people the chance to turn it off because because we can't talk about Leo unless we talk about Leo, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. So please go away if you don't want to be go spoiled. <laughs> Why are you still here? All right, that should be enough. Uh, so we see a guy in a city fighting trolls and orcs, um, and this is our main character, Leo. And to keep in mind, this is a like modern day city. Like there's skyscrapers like, in the background. It's literally Tokyo. Lights. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's literally, mm -hmm. literally Tokyo. And he's uh, in like this like uniform, almost like a, a military so uniform. Yeah. And then we're cutting to very similar looking character with maybe some hair that's been in the sun too much um, mm -hmm. in a cloak and uh, feudal era clothing walking towards a demon castle and we're getting kind of a recap that he's the one who destroyed the castle and they're going all through all this work to repair it and this is our main character this is leo he's the hero he's the guy who's quitting not quietly either he's going for it um and so we need to talk about leo so jeremy you picked it i'm gonna let you re reveal his his twist and then hmm. you can actually start talking about the character so the really cool thing about Leo is that he's thousands of years old, and that was actually the past when he was fighting in Tokyo. So his full name is Leo Demonheart, and um, he's not really human. He's actually a sort of automaton that's made to look like humans. And um, yeah, so he's he's struggling with some issues of his own that we can get into because that's the real value with this character <laughs> is those issues. <laughs> It's very, very cool. Um, and, uh, and and at this point in the story where we're actually picking up for the anime, he has uh, battled and defeated demon lords over and over and over again. And, uh, and you know, maybe it's just time to stop. <laughs> maybe he needs to find something else to do. Is that even possible? And that's what's really cool about him. Um, he's also kind of uh, spunky and obnoxious. Um, and it's kind of funny because we don't really find out that he's this old or that he has this history or these issues until mm, probably more than halfway through or at least close to halfway. And so we get a lot of the uh, exposure to his almost like, I don't want to call it narcissistic. He's not narcissistic, but he's maybe just like a bit too arrogant and cocky. too he's very confident cocky. cocky. Yeah. And, 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 but it's in such a, um, endearing way, like as an audience, you, you get that he's joking 
There's you there's get. also a self awareness about it. Like one character is like, yeah. you were very hard to like. And he's like, oh, I I get that. Yeah, oh, uh-huh. that's true. <laughs> there's, yeah, and there's, there's even a scene with with a character where he sees the character like smile at him, and he was about to leave, and so then he turns around and like does something he knows will piss her off, because he has to make sure that people always view him in that same way. He controls that perspective. So uh, he's a really interesting character. He's very funny. Very entertaining, and he's got a lot of secrets. Jason, what do you think? Um, I reflect a lot of what Jeremy said, but one of the things that I really found fascinating is we get a really interesting story about like a One Punch Man or a Superman kind of character where his power and his prowess is not necessarily questioned. We we actually established that really really early on, um, and that he the the question is no longer you know is he going to defeat the bad guy but what is he going to do with this power that he has and his responsibility with that power and i find that to be a much more fascinating story in a lot of cases i know you've been watching a lot of dvz so that's not necessarily the case but uh, <laughs> um that's a different type of story uh but yeah he i love this fact that he He's he's we find out later for different reasons that he is desperate to find a solution to this. I'm saving the world now. What do I do that I've saved the world? Oh, I need to save the world again. Oh, now I'm not saving the world. What do I do? Uh, the the and I think you said it earlier, Troy, is that this was a very well written, ageless character. And and come to find out, he's not human. What well, was an interesting spin on it, but um, the way it's written is fantastic. And also, like dealing with the idea that uh, a, a programmed being became self-aware and was able to overcome certain things about their programming, uh, at the same time experiencing bugs in the program uh, was really fascinating. So, um, yeah, just absolutely adored this character. I'll come at it from the the themes. I just really like the idea of a guy who this is my identity. This is who I am. What am I without that? And and that's what Leo is trying to explore is that question. Um, if I'm not the hero, who am I? Do I want to choose? And, and you know, we, we we he asked the question. Did I could I really have stopped earlier? Was I the one who was who was? Um, <laughs> Putting this up great. just so I wasn't afraid. Uh, the OP is called Broken Identity. It gives you the hint right there. That's the name of the song. Um, he is he is very much struggling. Like I said in the non-spoiler section, one of the threads I think is missing is kind of showing some of that brokenness during the lighter first half. Um, we see him very confident. He's very I agree 100 percent agree with Jeremy. He's very fun. I loved every second. The English dub did a great job with his voice. Um, and, and playing around with what he said. Excuse me. Uh, and yeah, we never got the the trigun moments of like I miss Rem. You know, just a moment of you know when you see through Vash's mask and you're like, oh, there's there's a layer underneath there. What's going on? We don't get that in the first half, and I do wish it was there so that the second half hit a little bit harder. I think it's the only thing that's really missing from this anime and this character. 
I think you got something there, especially because like if you watch a good mystery, then if you watch it a second time, you see all the tells. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. know that there's enough tells in this one uh, that you would be able to enjoy on a second watch through. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to call out, uh, Jason already really did, but compared to Professor Loss in Dawn oh, of the man. Witch, you know, we we had talked about like, hey, what does a, a character who is immortal act like? And we're like, that's not it. This I felt like, yeah, this is it. He's flipping. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, that's not a big deal, because I've been dealing with stuff for three thousand years, and I'm gonna lay down here on this couch for thirty minutes because I know I've already my plan's gonna succeed. I know. And, and I just felt they nailed it when they revealed he was ageless. I was like, ah, yeah, that that totally fits everything. That explains his character so much. So yeah. Kudos for that. So our hero Leo then goes before the queen of the demons and her four generals and asks for a job. <laughs> and, and he presents, it's on paper, but it's like PowerPoint presentation graphs. <laughs> Here's how much I can increase productivity. Here's how I can help with your, your weapons. Armies. Oh my God. Yeah, the she queen is burning not... everything. She burns his clothes, and then she burns all his PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> she she so keeps good. mentioning, like, I could fix this. And she's like, you're the one who broke it. Uh, <laughs> and this is our kind of our second main character, Echidna, the queen of the demons. What are your thoughts on her? Yeah, she... Um, I liked that she didn't end up being the tropey demon queen or demon king. Um, it, because a lot of times we we would have got the overly sensual, overly busty, uh, high-pitched character that's always getting uh, embarrassed. And we didn't get that. We got a very mature character. And I think that was very fitting for the story they were trying to tell. Um, also, I love how they introduce her and then we don't see her for like five episodes because they're trying to hide Leo from her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I thought I thought that was a cool um, uh, way to go about bringing him into the story with someone that just outright hates him just for who he is, <laughs> because he literally just defeated her uh, with ease, um, you know, obviously a couple months ago. So uh moving through the story again that maturity of uh her character kind of comes through um and i really love one of the ending scenes where she's got to use something that's passed down from generation to generation um that was done really well i i thought it was going to be kind of cringy just the way they were setting it up like it was like, oh, here comes the MacGuffin. No, this is something that's been being developed for generations because they had no idea how to that, fight that against this guy. That gave me a I am legend vibe. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, uh, again, another neat, uh, nicely written character. Yeah, it's interesting that she's three hundred. Or at least she's 300 years older than the succubus. So she's more than 300. Yeah. But because of Leo, she doesn't feel like she's an old character at all. <laughs> she she just feels like a regular character. Like, they have to actually tell you, oh, yeah, you know, she's this old. Um, I Yeah, I enjoyed the character. I thought she was great. Um, I did wonder 
what she was doing as demon king queen whatever demon queen like what what was it that she was constantly busy with you know what busy work did she have just because we didn't see very much of her and when we did see her she seemed to be kind of reclining or complaining about something um and she always had like her fur scarf and stuff and so i was like okay so she kind of looks like she's sort of kicking back a little bit and but everybody says she's not like everybody's talking about her as if she's super busy but it's not even until like episode 12 that you really see a moment where where you can go okay this this could be what's really going on behind the scenes like how busy everybody is and so she's actually this busy perhaps i i mean you could say that about every ceo ever right like yeah they don't do anything but they do I guess that's true it's just in a weird schedule compared to everyone else like they're just never that off the clock so they're they tend to be lounging more often yeah not that i'm a big c fan of ceos but yeah, yeah. what are you trying to say here <laughs> corporations <laughs> are the best sponsor yeah. us anyone <laughs> but it, it, no you, i think you've got a point there we're not seeing like like the fact that she's on call basically and has to hustle and bustle whenever an emergency arises. And we do see that like there is one scene where she has to, you know, make that decision on her own to take her generals and go down and act as sort of a buffer in case things don't go the way that Leo is hoping they're going to go. And so then she's there to deal with that and she's ready to get her hands dirty. So she definitely doesn't seem lazy. Um, but I think the only other reason that like that occurred to me as as a question is because all of these demon lords, not lords, demon generals and the demon queen, they just seem so inept at their jobs. <laughs> it just makes me so doubt true. if any of them are capable of it. So, but she is funny. She was entertaining. I thought she fulfilled her role well. I will have to say I do understand the problem our succubus runs into where you're super efficient and you have no idea how to teach that super efficiency to somebody oh, yeah. else like i get that in my real job and it, it's so much easier to just go you know what i'll do it and then also now you're behind so you know yep. but... um i i found this character very refreshing because she's drawn like she's gonna talk like a 17 year old girl and and the trope I, I agree with jason on the on the trope there's usually a trope for this and it's like i'm young and naive and i have these ideals and then someone more powerful comes along and is like i want to make your ideals come true um but then you get scenes with her and like she's getting drunk and like we're doing whole bottles and the the english dub <laughs> voice gave her a very mature sounding voice not old but like a, a mature woman <laughs> and so I didn't get the feeling like she was young and naive that she had worked and fought to get here because of these ideals. She's not just starting out on her journey. I love that scene where you find out she's older than Shatina is uh, for, for that very reason. So I, I really enjoyed her. Um, I, I, I thought she was, I thought she was great. I, she probably could use a little more screen time. Uh, the, the one part I do agree with you, Jeremy is when, you know, they're still rebuilding their army and trying to, take care of supplies and all this and she's got this huge deal with like eight bottles of wine to drink and i'm like um maybe not the time yeah no <laughs> supplies did you forget queen's gotta eat i guess yep oh i did also want to mention uh just because i'm something of a subtitles elitist um i actually went and looked for the dub on this one i didn't find it successfully because uh, i don't have the high dive subscription um I probably should have searched for it using the Japanese name when they did it. But um, but yeah, I heard a snippet of it. I heard a little clip of it. And I know I mentioned it in the pre-show. 
Um, but it sounded very good. It sounded uh, like it really added something, which I can't normally say. When I hear an English dub, it normally, like, I, I have a real hard time with that. Um, but um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. The, the reason I wanted to point that out is because the sub felt very generic voice-wise. Like, I can't say that any of the characters had an unusual voice. Um, and so I think that would have been really cool, actually, to hear Echidna speaking with that more adult voice. Because right, she got right. the teenage, you know, yeah, regular yeah, Japanese yeah. female voice that you hear in every anime. So she didn't stand out at all. So for, for better or worse, and there are a few notes where it's worse, the English dub made choices. <laughs> and and I appreciate that regardless of whether it always worked. At least you're trying, you're doing something different. Um, yeah. You're talking uh, about Lily now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in the story, so now Leo's been not accepted, but he gets a secret meeting with the four generals. And he goes through and he's while he's talking to them, he's thinking about the four the ways he defeated each one. Um and, and so there's there's Edvard, the the dragonborn who he, he managed to use magic on because he's so strong. Um there's Shutina, the mage, who he <laughs> took away magic and then just beat her up. There's Lily who got amnesia and was like his friend. And, and I I wanna note on that. This clearly says like an anime has happened. Your yeah. standard trope fantasy anime has happened, and now because it's such a weird situation on how we got there, things are different. The ending is not a happily ever after ending, and I love that. I love that they did that. Um, but yeah, so we learned Lily had gotten amnesia, was his friend for a few days, and then got mad at him and he knocked her out. Um, and the assassin he managed to defeat with a spell as well, I believe. Yeah, it was an AOE spell. AOE itself. spell. Yeah. Uh, we need to talk about these four generals, though, and we'll start with Lily, who is the youngest, very, very young, and she is the beast demon. Uh, your guys' thoughts on Lily? Uh, she's probably my least favorite out of all four of them. Um, is in speaking of tropes, she was definitely the trope lo lowly character, uh, but I like how she was handled. Um, it felt very little sisterish instead of lit lecherous, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I like the the lesson that, and that, and that's kind of what Leo does here is he goes around to each of the generals and he teaches them something to make them better. And in the process of teaching her something, she teaches some something to Leo. And you would think that a three thousand year old, uh, you know, it, it being wouldn't end up learning that lesson and that was neat to watch um but it i did like that like she you know here going why is she a great general and then she turns into a deity and you're like oh okay that's why <laughs> yep yeah i was wondering about that too until she turned into that giant wolf thing um this anime does a really good job like being self-aware and addressing yeah. things that nitpickers like me would notice. So one of those things was there's a point where they're all like walking through very cold terrain and Lily's complaining about being cold. And in most anime, they would just implicitly be like, yeah, you know, there's spells or something. Everybody's fine. It's all good. But in this one, they actually took the time to be like, 
oh, it's because you didn't learn how to cast any spells, so the mage goes and casts a warming spell on her and everything. And it, it, I mean, yes, it does develop the character, but I think it more answers the question of, you know, this is the environment, who can handle it, who can't, here's the continuity, the consistency of the characters. I mean, they even go so far as to have, like, uh, Edvar, which is that big dragon guy, be like, oh, I don't have to worry about the cold, so now he's addressed, and the others are all bedecked. I hated that. You hated that? I hated Edvard's because he's like, my scales keep me warm. I'm like, you have 12 scales. <laughs> They're magic scales. It's magic. <laughs> we're, we're mostly skin, dude. Yeah, it's true. It's true. On a blanket. They, te- they seemed that they treated his skin as scale, though. Yeah. Because he was hit multiple times in skin area, and it treated it the same as if it was scale. Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> um. And so the reason that I'm bringing this up is because the anime even went so far as to address the possible concern that we see in a lot of anime that have lowly characters, which is it leaves you feeling uneasy sometimes because mm-hmm. you're not sure you're not sure what kind of relationship that the main character is supposed to have with these characters. And so in this one, there was a particular scene that I thought was fantastic because it really showed the perspective of the main character. And that was when Lily's constantly telling him, you know, I love you and I want to marry you and everything. Right. She's got that little kid infatuation. And she comes over and she's like, when are you going to marry me? And he says, when you're a little older. And you don't ever see that in anime. The main character will never make a comment about the age. There's always just, oh, I'm uncomfortable, no matter who the character is. So I really want to call that out. Also, so many lowly characters are like, oh, but they're actually of age. This one's like, no, this is a child. And he's treating her like a child. And he recognizes she is a child. Yes. Yeah. And he has no negative motive. So I just wanted to really call that out because that's cool. You don't see that happen very often, that the anime is that self-aware. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but as far as the the character herself, um, she is a kid, and she plays the part of a kid really well. I love it when they go to actually do the logistics, which I have zero clue as to why they put her in charge of logis- logistics. Um I mean, I'm sure it's just lacking manpower, but come on. Anybody would be better at that than her. <laughs> that was horrible. Um, and I love just the way that she perceived it and how she wanted to resolve the situation and how, like, even when he sets up all kinds of things for her to learn, it doesn't really work. She's not, she's not going to pick up on that. And it really struck me as an um, uh, inexperienced, stubborn, energetic child. Uh, so she was very fun. Very cute kid. Yeah, I I thought she was the good, naive little sister um, and her ideals kind of ringing truth to him. Uh, but this was the English dub voice that nearly drove me insane. <laughs> it, it sounded like something you would give to a Sesame Street character. Uh, again, they made a choice and it was distinct. Like, there's no doubt that was Lily talking. Um, it was just, it was a choice. <laughs> a choice. All right. Next up, we have Edvard, the Dragonborn. What do you guys think of him? I really like this character. He was a bit tropey, but I did love the... And actually, this was a lesson that I was able to learn from. This whole idea that... Because it's it's very easy to go, hey, I got to where I got to because of my hard work. Why can't you do that? Um. He goes a little too far with, well, I didn't teach my men properly, so I'm just going to off myself. Yeah. But um, this idea that the powerful 
passing down those skills to the inexperienced again that is just a lesson we don't see in anime and i thought they did a really good job of showing not only the um ineptitude and learning ability of uh edvar but also um the discovery of how am i going to teach this lesson to him and then how did it go wrong (laughs) and i think that's one of the things i really like about this anime is they took some really and i've complained about this in other anime is like either be a comedy or be serious they were able to take a lot of serious topics and have a lighthearted spin on it and make them funny um and i think that might just be the skill of the writer and not so much hey stay in your lane kind of thing I love how genuine he was. Uh, it cracked yeah. me up because he's such a meathead, and he's and he's not like. And you see, like Lily and him are neither one of them are particularly intelligent, and I can't say the same of the other two generals. Um, neither one of them are particularly intelligent. Like they don't pick up on things quickly. Once they get it and they understand something, they're they're great at applying what they understand, but they're not very perceptive. And so seeing someone that's that genuine and yet also not perceptive and how he reacted to things just led to some really good emergent comedy that made sense. Um, I also liked how quick he was to actually like at first he argued when he was given direction by Leo. There's a point where like he's having to do that to survive. And he's like, but wait a minute, I don't know anything about this, which I mean, that's the point of it all. But seeing him argue about it was really funny. And then when he finally like gave in and started obeying but yeah no he's a great character uh very consistent throughout um i just want to call out his smoking hot redhead daughter no <laughs> Juliet. Uh, hey, fair enough yeah <laughs> uh no i actually just want i just like the fact that they gave him a daughter um again yeah. the, the whole idea is what you think is just a villain isn't just a villain they have their own story their own lives their own families and so the, the the giant muscle guy that that he beat is like, yeah, I have, I have a daughter, and, and Leo's taken aback. I didn't know you were a family man, and he is, and I just really appreciated that. Otherwise, uh, everything you guys said was true. All right, Marinez. I I <laughs> okay, I'll go. <laughs> yeah. I actually really like this character. This is probably my second favorite character, just because this. This guy does not think that he's that perceptive. He doesn't have a lot of social grace, doesn't have a lot of experience, doesn't take the time to develop it. But at the same time, he's very perceptive of the things that are going on around him. And he's thinking about stuff all the time. And it's actually proving to kind of work against him because he's so in his head that he's like spiraling into his own problems. And so, uh, you know, this leads him to have the idea that you know, I, I'm going to exterminate all of humanity because of what I suffered while I was growing up. It's just so bad that I'm convinced everyone's horrible and everyone needs to die in order to, you know, make the world right. And um, and I just thought it was really interesting because it it's a sign that he's intelligent enough to see the issues, but not experienced or perceptive or maybe hasn't spent enough time or considered enough perspectives um, to actually see a real solution and so he leaps on the solution that popped into his mind and just clings to it and goes for it and it's all negative and i thought it was fantastic that they made him a teenager because you know that's the time (laughs) that's when you get your angst and your emo on 
you know? So, um, yeah, he was a fun character. Um, I did like that he seemed to be the deadliest out of the four of them as far as just raw uh, lethal power, but was was very much a glass cannon as far as like rpg fantasy style things go um and that lent very well into his personality and how his big issue was i don't know how to communicate with people because i just murdered them Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you're right um and i loved his backstory i loved his arc and like why he would run to Echidna to support her army. Um, but then also that, that clash of ideals where Echidna doesn't, she wants world peace and well, he wants world dead. So <laughs> it's, I, I actually, uh, I, I didn't like him as much as I liked the other two, but uh, again, it, it's funny because Troy, you were mentioning earlier, like there's a lot of these scenes where it's just, hey, these two characters talk for a while. In those quiet moments, especially with uh, Mirna's, is they felt impactful to the story and to the character building. I like Mirna's. I like Mirna's just fine. This anime threw me for a loop a couple times where I'm like, I'm on to you, anime. I figured you out. I thought Leo was going to be uh, Isekai protagonist. Uh, oh, 100%. And, and I was way off on that one. I thought Marinette was surely going to be a girl. Uh, <laughs> the, the English dub is voiced by a woman. Uh, um, subtitles are too. Japanese version. Yeah. So, and uh, very, very androgynous. Very big cloak. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, the cloak's going to come off and, and she's going to be stacked and it's going to be that joke. Like, oh, you just need <laughs> yeah. to embrace who you are. And they didn't, but they did put him in a dress at one point. So they yes. are acknowledging that he's very feminine uh-huh. um, as a joke. But, yeah, it's it's just a, a cool, angsty teen who uh, is... Uh, we'll talk about his storyline when we get to it. I did really like the storyline they went into. Everyone should work in the service industry once. <laughs> I did like that that was... I did like that that was the lesson to help with communication skills. I thought that was perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, and then last one, Shatina. I appreciated this character and the way they went about it. Because like the one of the very first opening scenes of her is he's in her room and she's in her nightgown and she's the most voluptuous out of all of them. Uh, we have a, we have a great joke about watching her cleavage. Um, yep. But uh, as Jeremy mentioned, there was very little etchy in this anime, even though they had ample opportunity to do it. And because of that, her... Uh, well, no, because of that, it the distraction she could have been didn't end up being so much of a distraction and we got to do more character building. Um, And she added more to the story than just her body. And so I I actually really enjoyed that. And also I loved, I am this amazing spellcaster. Okay. Well, anti-magic field. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great joke. The bane of all mages. Uh, but I did love her um, 
her challenge where it's uh, I'm very good at the things that I do, but I have no idea how to convey that information to other people so they can assist me. So I'm just going to do all the things. Um, I I think a lot of people actually struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, once again, it was a character where where I was kind of wondering. But I mean, I guess that kind of answers it. I was wondering why she was having so much trouble at first. But then, you know, they did answer that with she's constantly overworking. She's trying to do everything. Um, yeah, I don't really have any complaints about her. I just she didn't really stand out beyond those funny moments to me as as uh, as interesting as some of the other characters. Uh, she was definitely motivated to serve um, the, the dragon queen, or not dragon, but the demon queen because of essentially being grown up, growing up and tutored by her. So there is a, there's a connection between the two of them that isn't shared with any of the other dragon generals or demon generals. Well, I'm going to have trouble with that. But uh, <laughs> But other than that, like, I don't know. She just felt like a very passive background character to me i can see that i i'll be honest by the end of the second third episode i was hoping she was like the main secondary protagonist i was like yeah kidna can just be the queen but like i want more time with shatina i was so impressed with her by the end of her episode um i i just really liked her she I thought like well we're gonna do the trope thing, okay? She's the 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 nerdy assistant, and he's gonna wow her, and then she's just gonna become a sidekick, which I guess did happen. But man, their interactions were so well done. Their chemistry was so good. I was I was like, is this gonna be the ship? That'd be cool. That'd be different. <laughs> Unexpected. We, yeah, then we find out there's not really a need for a ship in this one. <laughs> Maybe, but. Yeah, I I just really liked her in the episode she had, but she did become that side character. Um, but yeah, even at the end when she was calling out Leo, I felt hers was the best of all the the characters sure. who confronted him. I just felt like she was the had the best connection with Leo, and so I, she just worked yeah. best for me. As far as shipping goes, I mean, this is a harem anime, so any of the demon generals and the queen, you know, ship them all. I thought that's where we were going for sure, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, um, Edvar and Leo. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> they definitely have a bromance going, let me tell you. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, Loves okay. him as a trainer. Uh, so, okay, so we were at where the four generals are discussing him, and um, we also see a flashback of him defeating Echidna with her using her beast form. He was able to still defeat her. And they ask why he is defected, and after he beat her, he returned to the humans, and they were freaked out by him. He's so powerful. They, they're they just like, oh, my God, he's basically a monster. We can't have him around us. They brand him a criminal. They send assassins after him. And eventually the king is like, I had to, to banish you. Um, so Leo's like, all right, screw it. I'm going to go work for the demons. <laughs> he's been Later. a little while wandering, but yeah. Now, I, it's I important wanna... to know that's what he tells us. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. did want to call out... Um, the fact that the way we see in each of these flashbacks, Leo dispatching the generals and the queen, um, I got the impression that it was his wit. He, he was quick thinking and he was so flexible, right? I, I kept thinking, oh man, he's like the ultimate max level red mage. 
mm-hmm. right? Uh, because he he used the weakness of each opponent against them. When in reality he's a powerhouse, right. <laughs> he didn't need to do that at all. Jason's Superman uh, example was yes. very apt. I think that's a that's a perfect way exactly. To yeah. So the fact that they chose to show this to us in such a way as to reinforce the idea that maybe he's not as powerful, maybe maybe he actually had to work using knowing the weaknesses of these generals in order to just scrape by beating them was really cool because it established that in our mind as like, oh, this is the expectation for this guy. This is his power level. He can barely handle the generals one at a time. And that is not true at all. Um, so I just wanted to call that out because that was that was good trickery. I it was another one that threw me is when he was like, "Yeah, I had a team of heroes," and I was like, "You guys suck." Bye. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's that's what this is gonna be about. He's gonna learn to like be on a team." Nope. Nope. <laughs> a little bit, but not not really. I love that sub story, by the way. That was so funny. It was like there was I had this about who gets which room. <laughs> No, no, she wouldn't even learn any offensive spells. She only wanted to heal. <laughs> are we in? A, are we in an MMO? What's going on? Is this like Konosuba? Right. Go backwards. Explosion. <laughs> so the four generals decide to let him stay as a temp on a one-month trial basis, and then they'll see if they can convince Echidna to actually hire him. Um. Yeah, and he we learn he wants to find out why Echidna. Doesn't kill. We see a flashback of Echidna stopping her army, who had invaded the human area, and had told them, like, hey, we're not killing unless we absolutely have to. And it's actually one of the reasons they lost, is because they were less aggressive than they could have been. And he wants to figure out what's going on with that. Um, and the next episode is the day he works with Shitina, so he wakes her up. Um, lots of... See, I thought he was going to have a little bit of edgy here because he's doing some like, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm teasing, I'm flirting. But it's only because she's a succubus and she's obviously very prudish. And he's like, that that's weird. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> yeah, no. She's blasting him with magic every time he mentions anything. Um, that, that was funny. That was good stuff. Uh, but yeah, basically, he looks at her job list and he's like, OK, I'm going to do this one job where you have to re- re- basically fill these magic batteries um i'm gonna do that for you i can i can match my magic to yours and and fill that he's like i'm gonna take this much time and then afterwards you're gonna thank me and you're gonna kiss me (laughs) and uh he puts on a disguise and then he spends the rest of the episode coming up with a name for this disguise (laughs) and eventually comes up with black knight onyx but it's great because, like, at one point, another character comes in and calls it by his name. He's like, no, actually, now it's Black Knight Onyx. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, I, I was digging digging Leo. Um, he comes back early, and then he just lays on the couch for, like, another half an hour. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm resting. I, I worked hard. I need to rest. <laughs> Replenish my mana. And she's like, okay, well, are you done resting now? He's like, no, nope, still not quite yet. Uh, he does this, and eventually she's like, no, this isn't working. You're not going to work for us. You're out. And then there's a knock at the door, and this girl, um, looks like an elf girl comes in. And he had made an amulet that lets her, anyone who touches the amulet, match the magic uh, wave of the of the user and fill the batteries. And then 
trained her to train more people and, and run a team of four that would work together to keep the batteries full, and Shatina would have one task less to do. And the lesson being, train your subordinates for lower-skilled jobs because your higher skills are needed for higher-priority tasks. Delegate, delegate, delegate. Yep, yeah. that was the biggest one. Uh, we uh, we tweeted on, uh, on the Twitter that this was the funnest seminar for managers I've ever <laughs> attended. Uh, exactly. That's true. That's what this first half is. And it's literally just like, hey, here's how you treat your employees. Here's how you need to handle tasks. The Twitters. Yeah. So that was Shatina's episode. Uh, he doesn't get the kiss, though. He does ask for it. <laughs> he gets blasted. That's. That was the scene I was talking about where like she she's happy with him. She's smiling. She's like, I understand you. You're a good guy. And he's like, he just stops because he was done. He was leaving the room. Mm -hmm. He stops and he turns around and he's like, OK, I got to piss her off. I need that kiss now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that night she summons him and needs his help with Lily, who, again, has been placed in charge of logistics. And she has she's. um transporting goods on an island and so that's the next episode uh basically what lily's doing is she's taking everybody picking up the, the goods and then doing like a racing everyone across the <laughs> island they run through this village of dragon people who support uh, echidna's cause and and destroy the town every time they run through so they're getting all pissed off and um, might not want to help anymore uh, and then, like, as soon as they get there, she's like, all right, time for a break. Everyone go eat. We can just be done for the day. And Leo notes that, like, no one's doing the tasks they're best suited for. So he's like, okay, I need to teach her how to, like, ask for help and, and delegate properly. So he's, he pretends to get bit by a snake. Well, he does. He gets himself bit by a snake, but he's fine. He summons the snake, has it bite him, gets poison. As soon as she leaves, he cures poison. <laughs> as you do as you do uh so she rushes out he set up all these these uh trials she has to go through with unmovable rock but if she goes back to town and gets some mages they'll be able to move the rock for her lily doesn't do that she smashes her head into it until it actually does break <laughs> <laughs> a cave full of slimes well only one slime will kill them all but she does kill them all anyway and that's the one yep. and then a cat uh a a ca chasm that she can't jump across. And this time a bard comes out and it's Leo in a bard costume. <laughs> You're like, you've got to ask for help from people if you want to cross. <laughs> and, and so she runs back to town and they tell her, you could just swim across. So she does and doesn't get any help. And she, she gets the medicine and comes back and he, he wakes up in the morning and she's there and he's like, oh, and then she's like, hey, I came up with this new plan for all the workers, and it's his plan that he had wanted her to do, and it's perfect. And he's like, how did you figure this out? She's like, oh, this bard sang to me about helping people, and I listened. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I could have just told her. <laughs> she's not stubborn in that yeah. way. She's open-minded to suggestions. I didn't need to teach. I could have just talked, and lesson learned for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. I love it because it goes to that, like, what kind of learner are you? Right? Yep. She is not a kinesthetic learner. <laughs> yep. She does not learn through action. Uh, when he reports back to Shatina, he finds out that Echidna is uh, wanting to meet with Black Knight Onyx. Um, 
the next episode we get another what we now know as flashbacks of him fighting off demons in a city uh and then he wakes from that dream and he goes to meet echidna as black knight onyx Bobbin. Um, yeah so this entire episode is about how to deal with a dinner date with your boss when you know you want to get through it and his first tip is like refill their cup with the alcohol a lot not only does get it show drunk. that you're observant and helpful but then you get them drunk and they'll leave they'll be done however however echidna being a, a couple hundred years old can handle her liquor and she's like now we're drinking whole bottles i love so that great. so uh, and she's also she makes him take off the mask and he has to change his face just very slightly. It actually looks more like his original original self. self. Yeah. Um. And and yeah they and they they eat and they talk and then he's like okay compliment the food that'll show that you're observant and then he's and she's compliment the food back and he's like actually it's my recipe I taught the cooks how to make this. Um, but eventually they have meaningful discussions about her motives which is that she's trying to find something called the philosopher's stones that the humans have used to to prosper and by using it she wants to take it back to the demon world which is very barren and there's not enough resources for everyone which is why the demons have been invading in the first place and she wants to take it back and make it a fertile land so that they all have enough resources she has no desire to actually hurt the humans and, and wants coexistence and peace but knowingly took on the role of villain to obtain her goal she had like openly admits what i did was as the villain i I did like that but they weren't like it's okay that she did that she was she recognizes what she did was wrong but and justifying means and all that that's something we don't usually see Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and a lot of that yeah and it's the it, we get pointed out early on that that was one of the things that intrigues Leo is that he's in a town where it's being invaded and she shows up to stop people from her, from her troops from like pillaging and burning. And she's like, we are not doing this. This is an invasion. This is not a slaughter. And that, that was one of the things that really tripped him up and was like, huh, I need to, I need to find out more about this. Uh, what's interesting about that too is that there's a point where she talks about when Leo actually defeated them and when he stormed the castle and cut through all her men and everything. And she explicitly states, nobody died. <laughs> so he was so touched by that, or at least it intrigued him so much that he actually changed his approach in dealing with her soldiers yeah. from that mm-hmm. point on, which is, that was kind of a cool surprise for me. Um, there, he's actually getting ready to tell her the truth about his identity, and then Chatina breaks in and interrupts them, and Edward and Marinus have both run away at the same time. So he, I, love, he, I love this sub-story. He kidna yeah. and Chatina go to get Edvard, and they find him trying to commit uh, Senpaku, who basically, with <laughs> his iron skin, he's just breaking swords over and over, with his daughter being like, Stop it! <laughs> Um, but yeah, Leo goes and he finds Marinus, who attacks him initially, but then they eventually sit down. He was attacking him because he thought he was Onyx, right? Yeah, it was weird because it was as if he didn't know who he was. Because as soon as he's like, hey, it's Leo, 
stopped attacking him. So how, did he not know Onyx existed? Did he not know that that was Leo's person or Leo's disguise? I Time guess? seems a little hazy in this this first half, and I, because it was so light, I wasn't really worrying about like because like when did he have time to take teach the cooks if his first day was with Shatina yeah. and his second day was with Lily and then his third True. day is with the boss? When yeah. did he go teach the cooks? I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. This is lighthearted. This is teaching me to yeah. be a better manager at work. Whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's only in the second half when stuff starts getting serious that I'm like, wait, how does this timeline work out? <laughs> uh-huh. All right, so the best yeah. time talk ever. <laughs> so Marinez, uh, basically, his deal is that he has to conduct interviews for more spies and assassins and doesn't know how to talk to people. So he's out. <laughs> this is when Leo's like, oh, this is just a a teenager. He's angsty. And he agrees to train him for three days. And to train him, he makes him a waiter at the diner or the cafeteria of the castle. And I love this because... Like I said, everyone should have to work at food service once because the world would be a nicer place. (laughs) (laughs) I did for like one month, and now I try to be nice to every single person who ever has to work in that. I didn't even make it that long. (laughs) Yeah, it it is rough time. But the point of this actually is to teach Marinez how to communicate because as a waiter, you have to listen, and he tells them, like, you know, you just ask them about their interest and, and listen to what they're saying and, and kind of hone in on that. Listening is the first step to communicating well. Yeah, you're going to do interviews where you ask questions, but really what you're trying to do is be a good listener so that they'll tell you stuff. Uh, they get some rowdy customers. Marinez beats them up. I, I think you also got to mention, and I think it's really funny because it just adds a layer of let's take you out of your element. Let's make you uncomfortable so that you can get past the nervousness and fear of social environments because he puts him in a dress (laughs) and he's like, we also need a disguise. I mean, it's partially for that, (laughs) but psychologically, this is not what he's used to wearing and it's going to present an image he's not used to presenting. So it would work very well at uh, eliminating some of that nervousness. I don't know. I feel like they just did that for the joke. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. I'm I'm justifying it. Mar- so later, Lily's working in the in, as a waitress as well, and Marinus is still wearing the dress. Yes. Okay. Well, he's still in disguise. <laughs> I can't believe at episode twelve, <laughs> everybody else gets like important military stuff that has to be taken care of, and he just gets the, the lady. Marinus, you gotta come back. <laughs> I quit that job. No, no, you gotta come back. You need a rush hour. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Got orders piling up. Um, <laughs> uh, then they go to do a practice interview, and Marinus asks him, "Okay, why did you really join? Because I know you're a liar." And I think that's one of the things I really, really appreciate about Marinus is that he's so perceptive. And even though, like, that was one of the big things that Leo taught him while being in a maid outfit was, you know, oh, you got to be a good listener. Well. Being part of a good listener is also being able to be perceptive and like listen to, like extrapolate what's being said. And part of being an assassin is being able to know your 
you know, take in that limited information and make judgment calls. And the fact that he calls him, calls Leo out on this was interesting. But also, I like what happens to Leo here. Mm-hmm. He he's almost compelled, and he's like fighting with himself internally. And he's been looking for so long for someone to talk to about this that he just can't help but spill the beans. Yeah, big, big turning moment almost in the plot, too. This is kind of where we're shifting over to the other side of this anime um, because of Marina's question. Like you said, he just has waited for no one's ever asked him any of this. We do get Marinus's backstory first, which is that he was a half demon, half human, who the humans were forcing to be an assassin. And eventually he made his way to Echidna's army and was like, yeah, let's go slaughter them. And then they, he even helped them get into a town that they had been invading. And then they get in there. And he's like, they're like being nice to the humans. They're feeding them. They're like, we got your corrupt mayor. We're getting rid of him. Um, thank you for letting us come here. Like they're being all nice and, and having a feast together. And, and Marinus is like, what are we doing? Why are we not killing them? And even considers taking Echidna out and taking yeah. place to make the army do what he wants. That's angsty. Little. And then we go to Leo's backstory, which is in modern day, maybe 20, I think it was 2060 Tokyo. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, suddenly, demons just started coming out of the ground. And they do make a distinction that it is the Japanese word for demons, which is imps, orcs, all, all, all kinds of creatures. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but in Japanese, they're referred to as demons. Whereas in the demon world... Demons are a specific race who are very powerful, so it's weird to them when, like, an orc gets called a demon. They're like, no, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a uh, devil. But, mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, a bunch of, of these start coming out, and they're very powerful. It takes, they mentioned, it's like three human soldiers to beat one demon. Um, and so humanity basically enters this big world war with humankind as they spread across the world and come up with a plan to create super soldiers using demon blood and create the demon heart soldiers. And Leo is one of them. Guys, did you get it when he started naming all the his dead oh, yeah. friends? And then he, yeah. it was all <laughs> the 12 zodiac yep. signs? And the fact that he said, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm the fifth, yeah. and that's Leo and is the he's fifth. Leo. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so clever. And you say that to the very end. That's so good. Yeah. I thought it was Leonard, you know? Right. <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, so, yeah, so Leo – and Leo mentions later that he was one of the weakest of the the soldiers, and they're they're made to fight these demons, and they're given the directive, save humanity. And um, he he did this for thousands of years. He said he stopped. It's been about 3,000, but he said he stopped counting after 1,000 um, and just has kept defending humanity. And eventually now humanity has rejected him. And he says, well, now I feel free. And I guess I get to do whatever I want. He's lying again. Mm-hmm. But that's what he tells us. And he tells uh, Mirna's that she uh, – sorry, he – <laughs> uh, has done a great job and become a great communicator to pull that information out of him. 
And then we see uh, the, the episode ends with Echidna pulling out a book about an ancient legend about a demon who tried to bring coexistence between humans and demons. Very handsome with this long <laughs> horn on his head. Exactly. Uh, that'll come back in a little bit. Um, the the Echidna's miners, the, the demons find some. We find out they're golems. So it look, you couldn't tell if it was like armor, but they find like some future technology in the mines. That's gonna be important in a minute. Meanwhile, Juliet, <laughs> Edvard's daughter, comes to Leo and she's like, "Hey, my dad quit again." <laughs> He's so disappointed in his soldiers because, and he blames himself for training them so badly that he has quit as their commander and is going to become just a random foot soldier. And Which I love the visualization of him in the back of the army yelling at them just like he would from the front of the army. Right? <laughs> I'm and, one of you now. <laughs> and Leo points out that actually makes the problem worse. And and they have a great discussion. Jason, you touched on it a little bit, but they, they have this great discussion about for the elite, it is a common thing to have trouble teaching the average uh, the same thing because you make so many assumptions about what they should be good at. Like, hey, I can do this without effort, so you <laughs> should know this as well. Um, and, and, and they just really have this great discussion about it. So they come up with this plan to teach him. And Lily had told Leo about the golem, so he goes and he activates one, and he has it attack Edvard's army. But then the golem I, actually does go berserk. I love that he pu- that Leo pulls Edvard's daughter into this scheme of his, yeah. <laughs> just so that he can convince Edvard of and 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 I like the way that she does it. It's very um, uh, subterfuge-ish, if you will. Right. He he's playing Edvard and she's being the the voice of reason to get through to Edvard what he's supposed to be learning. Um, yep. Yeah. So Edvard's fighting this golem and Leo's like, oh yeah, don't you know about the beam weapon and you gotta handle the core and saying all these technical terms and Edvard's like, I don't understand what that means. Attack from the right. Oh, thank you for just making it basic. <laughs> and also, like, keep in mind. This thing could have killed Edvar. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, in fact, if, it almost does because Leo was hiding right. visibly and then appears and like saves him at the last second. Yeah, because that beam weapon literally would have sliced him through because that's what it was designed to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Leo, they just keep doing this, but Edvar keeps fighting him and he keeps reiterating like oh oh you're saying i have to teach you the basics and he gives him after he beats it he gives him the scolding like everybody knows about beam weapons and vibro swords those are basic he's like well it's not basic to me you can't assume that he's like ah uh uh-huh (laughs) you get it and edward's like oh i do get it um so he realizes he did the same and his daughter points out he did the same thing with his army when they attacked the chimera and he'd been like everyone knows you got to go for the back of the legs that's step one so he's going to train better. Meanwhile, there's three other golems that go crazy in the mines, but uh, Echidna comes and she just destroys them repeatedly. And <laughs> She's having enthusiastically. fun. Enthusiastically. <laughs> Working out some stuff. Uh-huh. Do we want to touch on the the online chat we had for two days about Sweet Summer Child? <laughs> I, I'm not particularly interested, but go ahead if you want to. It was very important to us. <laughs> yeah. Classic Baka Baka. 
Yes. So, so Troy uh, noticed that the character made a reference to Sweet Summer Child. And, yeah, apparently that goes back a long time, but has been made very popular by Game of Thrones. So Leo has either seen Game of Thrones or... Which is possible. Which is possible. Because, I mean, it was 2060, so that would be classic literature by his time. Um, or uh, he's just so informed on what we consider classical literature now. I just remember I saw it. I was like, "That's so weird." It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's so weird to me that it was an anime. <laughs> All right, moving on. The next episode. Uh oh, Theo's getting his promotion to well, Onyx is getting a promotion to one of the the generals, and then we get his actual flashback. And he's he was looking at the same book that uh, Echidna had been looking about about the mediator. The, this guy named Ebrad, he had preached coexistence. And he was such a great guy. And Leo looks at the book. He's like, "Huh, that wasn't quite what he looked like." And we see like this, you know, flashback. This little ugly impish demon is like, "Hey, hey you should, you don't need to kill me. We're, we're not here to be mean. We're not trying to fight a war." Uh, and he talks about how like. Their king is insane and <laughs> opened a portal to this world, and they're always fighting over resources. So they came to take a look, and then the he says the ones with the worst instincts started going crazy because that's what they do. They're 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 monstrous, um, but the rest of them they just they just were looking for food and stuff. And then the portal closed behind them, and they've been stuck over here. And um, he starts talking to Leo about Leo, and Leo starts explaining who he is and how he's he's a super soldier, basically robot who was built to to kill demons, and he has this purpose of saving humanity. And this guy's like, "Wow, that sucks." He's like, "Well, why does it suck?" He's like, "Because what happens when humanity is saved? If your purpose, if your existence in life is based on this purpose, what happens when that purpose is gone? That's going to wreck you." And it's like, "But there's plenty of demons." <laughs> He's like, no, eventually that's that's <laughs> gonna be a problem. Um, and it's very clear at that time Leo had no idea what he was talking about. Like he's he's getting this information, but he's not recognizing what it, it means. But current Leo, very much has become aware of what what he meant. Um, and yeah, so this guy did continue the rest of his life to preach coexistence and did a lot to bring demons and humans together. In fact, peace does happen at one point in this world. Um, and then there's like local national squabbles, and then there's a second invasion later. It's, it's I can tell. Um, and and that during that second invasion is when like humanity basically falls and has to start over. Like they lose access to technology and electricity, and instead of going towards the like rebuilding that technology they end up discovering magic which i do like that um that dichotomy uh of mm-hmm. uh, of this split of well why build the microwave when i could cast a quick spell and heat my food that way um i i do like that dilemma um that comes up in a lot of different things uh the first thing that comes to mind is like elder scrolls right because they they that happened the same but um it that particular story beat had me 
uh, just really thinking about this anime for quite some time after I was done watching it. I love that idea that you have this huge technological boom. It gets destroyed. What happens after that? And because normally we go, um, you know, prehistoric with magic and medieval, and then we have, you know, technological boom and skyscrapers. This flipped the script. And uh, I really liked the direction they went with it. The original Full Metal Alchemist had the same thing. They, that in the original, at the end, spoilers for that super, super old anime, uh, <laughs> their world was a parallel world to Earth. And because alchemy formed in this world, the scientist became absorbed in the alchemy and studying that. So while regular Earth is developing rockets, like right before World War II, uh, Edward and Alphonse's world was was behind scientifically, but had alchemy instead. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite kinds of storytelling. The the only thing that would make it better is if there were more technological marvels that were to be found in wreckage than just the golem. Yeah. Really cool. Well, it's funny. We find out. So where the city that Leo starts in in the beginning of the story where he's kind of cast out of there's this big building that's like immersed in like foliage and vines and moss and come to find out that's just a covered skyscraper that's got a lab inside and uh it was i didn't realize i i had a feeling that oh maybe that's a building i didn't realize that was where the lab was that was cool yep I do remember every time I saw that, I was like, something's up with that building. That is not your normal castle. And it's so distinct. And they show it. They make sure to show it a couple of times. Like, hey, pay attention to this. And, and I remember thinking, like, what does that mean? So that was a very cool little sneak that they did. Have we talked about the Philosopher's Stone at all? Because that's the whole reason Echidna's here. We talked about that it existed. Um the only thing we've gotten to at this point in the story is that Leo has mentioned he has used one, but it is because, not what she thinks. Right, because there's the lore of the first Philosopher's Stone was used by the humans to make everything a lush paradise, basically, right? Um, which we come to find out from Leo is not necessarily the case. But I, I do like that we've got a you know traditional Philosopher's Stone idea and then now we're coming, we, we get that internal dialogue from Leo uh, during, I think it's the drinking scene, where he's like, I've used one. They're not what you think it is. Yeah, I, I actually thought he was, uh, it mentioned that the first Philosopher's Stone was used by uh, someone who discovered it, and that person became the first saint and then built up the civilization and stuff. And I was thinking, was that Leo? Is that what he's referring to? I was wondering the same. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't know. I don't think it was, but I don't know. One thing I got to mention that Ebrad had said to Leo is look after yourself. Quit focusing on this hero and save yourself a priority. I do love this conversation between these two because we've got this pragmatic demon <laughs> and he he looks he looks the part of a, like an evil imp but you know you talking to him and he's just like this 
almost street ruffian that has like untold knowledge, like that street cred, right? Yeah. And and here we have this, you know, perfect weapon uh, that is just learning how to become aware. And he's just expounding all this advice on him. And their conversation is probably one of my favorite points in this in this whole anime because they, they talk about these high level ideas at a really low level base. Um, and it was really easy to understand. And uh, yeah, it was actually pretty heartwarming too. Like here's <laughs> here's this guy from this terrible place going, hey, you need to like, you know, Take a moment, smell the roses, and enjoy life for yourself, man. <laughs> yeah. I genuinely also wondered, like, there were little hints that that the imp was actually trying to manipulate the conversation just to stay alive. So he's like, okay, right. I just gotta keep him talking. He's not he's gonna he's not gonna kill me as long as I keep him talking. Um and then at the end, when he's being hauled away, I kept wondering, is this like this he, he's gonna go into the torture chambers and stuff, right? Because if you looked into uh, the flashbacks that we got to the the labs, there were demons in some of the things being essentially experimented on and tested on. Because, you know, where are they going to get the demon blood? Sure, they could get it from corpses, but living specimens are always better. So so I was thinking, like, whatever happened to that guy? Did he uh, really get to go back home or go into the safe zone and be protected? Or did he just become fodder for whatever experiments were happening? I think since he's on a book, at least he was able to communicate with someone after this point and his Possibly. story gets shared. So I would think he survived longer. Part of me wondered if that was like, yeah, I couldn't have been because he would have, I, I, part of me was wondering Maybe if Leo. Leo that wrote it, yeah. but he really didn't have a long enough conversation to make it fill a book. Um, and I'm sure he would have opted for a, a different cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always reprintings, right? That's true. Certainly. All right. Uh, so he, so Leo decides after this flashback, I'm going to tell everyone the whole truth. Uh, we go to the promotion ceremony, um, but they're interrupted. The spirit portal that connects the demon and the human world is starting to close. They never actually resolve this. <laughs> No, they don't. They kind of skip over it at the end. Uh, but yeah, so they do come up with a temporary fix, but they only have like a week left, I think. Yeah, seven it? days. Seven days? Seven uh, days. Before they'll be cut off from the demon world. So they're discussing their options. They're like, okay, we could get. We either need to get the Philosopher's Stone in seven days, or we need to leave and, and just, just disband the army because a lot of not everyone in the army is demons there are humans and half breeds but they're like yeah we'll just take the demons back home disband the army that'll leave a power vacuum there will definitely be fighting and bloodshed afterwards um but yeah that that's kind of their options and the kidna decides okay that's that's what we got to do it's the only thing we have left to do she says goodbye to the generals and is like we're gonna disband ronix stands up I, this is a great scene this is one of like the last scenes that I actually was laughing at because before we go into more serious stuff. He he, ta he you know, Leo takes off the helmet and he walks up to her to reveal, but she refuses to turn around because she's being so stoic. And eventually he has to be like, "Will you freaking turn around?" <laughs> <laughs> and even then, she looks at him and she's like the hero. And then she's like, "Where did Onyx go?" <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, Leo reveals that, hey, he's like, I had to lie to you. I had to trick you. Um, but you can have a Philosopher's Stone. She's like, we can't get it from the humans. And he's like, no, no, no. There's two Philosopher's Stones. You can have one. The humans keep theirs. But you'll need a manual to it. And you can't use it without the manual. The only way to get the manual is to cooperate with the humans. So you'll have to make world peace. Have to. And then you'll be able to make your Philosopher's Stone work. But the Philosopher's Stone is right over there in those mountains. So she hmm. agrees. They travel there. They have a conversation. They have like a magic snowball fight. At this uh, point, I was 100% convinced that there was some sort of mountain facility that had these engines that he was talking about. And they were going to have to fight some sort of huge robotic thing. There was going to be a sweet showdown between it. Like that That's what I had envisioned in my mind when they first started like going down this road of, hey, we're actually really close to where it is. They get to one point in the mountain and he turns around and he's like, all right, I'm the test. I am the Philosopher's Stone. It is literally what powers me. It's in my heart. If you want it, you have to take me down. And if any of you try to leave, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to go down and kill every human. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to wipe out the world. That's right. Yep. And it gets worse. Like, because then he progressively starts being like, you know what? I think I'm going to kill everybody and just wipe the world clean. And then I'm going to go into the demon realm. And I'm going to kill everybody in the demon realm, too. (laughs) He does. uh, He does make the mention to a kid now as they're walking up the mountain. He's like, I'm starting to slip and error and i need you to take care of me and that's when he turns around and he's like yeah okay i'm the i'm the bad guy time to fight i love the moment echidna starts putting two and two together that this dude isn't just some sort of philosopher that has studied ancient history he was there and if he was there that means he's three thousand years old that realization and like her coming to that conclusion was done so well. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear Jeremy talk about hyper skill development and what his thoughts are on that. Oh God, I love it. Okay, so this yeah, is basically this is so good. <laughs> this is basically like just neural net learning, right? So the other bio, uh, the other automatons were essentially each had their own strength. One of them was faster. One of them would regenerate, right? They had all different strengths. So apparently all 12 of these had some kind of benefit. They were experimenting to see which one's going to be most effective, most useful. And so, of course, we have Leo, which actually, the more I think about it, the less I understand why they picked that Zodiac sign for this ability. It doesn't quite seem to fit right. Um, Leo, I would expect to be more majestic, powerful, golden, you know, not starting out with nothing <laughs> and maybe developing into what a Leo would be perhaps. But, um, but yeah, the fact is anything that happens to him, he basically learns whether it's physical combat, whether it's spells, whether it's techniques. And um, this can even be things that he's learning from other uh, demon heart series. So he can learn their regeneration. He can learn their super speed. And this is really cool because this essentially gives him the capability not just to surpass all of them, but to do one thing that none of them can do, which is learn and develop an ego. And therefore, this same ability is the source of his bugs. <laughs> like, it was, I thought that was really cool. It was a good, uh, good combo. 
Very well said. I I I love the idea of the copycat. I'm a copycat, mm-hmm. and every t- and isn't it like every time he uses a skill, he also makes it better yep. than the previous time. Yep. Yep. Or at least he makes it better than what he saw originally. Right. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. And then he can also do it with defense as well as what Echidna said. Mm-hmm. So like, <laughs> she goes to realization. Yeah. Yeah, they come to the realization that we're dead. That, like, even all five of us, uh, like, at full power, we're just not going to defeat him. Yeah, they start hitting him with high-level spells later on in the combat, and he just kind of, like, stutters for a moment, laughs, but takes no damage. (laughs) It's like a lightning bolt that if you were playing D&D or something, it would just wipe the enemy out. Nope, no effect. But there's a... He did play his hand a little too... um, open in my opinion during this because uh lily starts crying like you know Mm. you know don't do this i want you to be around and he hits her with two like electric spells that go through her completely but they don't leave holes like if he wanted to just blast her away at the moment he could have just killed her right then but the fact that he basically just stunned her i was like oh okay this is him pushing them to their limits this isn't yeah he wants to murder them yep so this starts at the end of episode nine and I, i'm i'm taking notes i'm watching this anime and i'm like okay so we wrap this up in about 20 minutes finish episode 10 this feels like a finale but, right. but there's no way they do this for the next three episodes so what is the finale no this is the finale anime creators please pay attention let your finale have a couple episodes. Let it breathe. Yeah. This was great. This uh, the was next, great. The next episode is basically just the battle. All the battle. And, boom, and boom, boom. we should also mention that this is when that outro changes. And what we get yes. instead is we... Uh-oh. Connection error. Hold on. Wait. And His uh, expressions, his character, and then it shows Echidna. Stop. Hold up. Uh-oh. Yeah, you cut out real I'm bad there for about 20 seconds. Oh. Oh. Yeah, this, this is like the old oh. days of the podcast, right? Like year one. Yeah, I don't know what what is going on here. There, there's so, a hurricane. Let's see where where I cut out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, at the uh, start, basically, right? Yeah, right as you started explaining. As I start, okay, okay. So uh, we should also mention that this is when the outro changes and it gets dark and foreboding, and like the first words of the song are like, "Where you live, multiple thousands of years, life is hard," <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it suddenly like you start getting these pictures of Echidna, and I had noticed this in the regular outro as well. Like she always has this look on her face, like she's looking off into nothing, and she's so sad and she's so depressed, and I thought. This just doesn't seem like the character that we're seeing throughout the show. It's kind of weird. But as soon as this started happening where you're like, oh, crap, is he going to have to die? Is is that where we're going? Is She's actually developing an appreciation for this character and he immediately has to die. No wonder she's looking off into no, into nothingness with depression on her face. You know, um, so that was this very well done. I love it when they play around with outros and I have not seen uh, just switching an outro for a few episodes to kind of emphasize the story and then switching back. And yeah. Forth. Um, yeah. So, so like I mentioned, this is basically a, an episode about the battle. Um, some important parts is like Marinez and Jatina both are calling him out as like, nah, I'm not fully buying what you're selling here. Um, 
And when Marinus starts, he freezes him instantly. And Shatina, he does beat. But Echidna has a spell up her sleeve. And then we see her learning the spell from her father, who she had taken over his kingdom. He's like, no, but I got to teach you the spell. She's like, I don't need anything from you. He's like, no, you, you, you need this spell. And when she... She casts the spell. It's the anti-Leo spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh my gosh, it wasn't just the name of the spell. I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally for him. <laughs> I, I love that this is like a a spell that's been developed over the millennia because <laughs> he's been defeating demon lords over and over again. They're like, okay, we, we, we got to do something here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, in the the 11th episode it's mostly a flashback of of leo near the end of his life um like i said we we kind of get some more backstory about like there's more invasions um then there's peacetime and he's like oh i didn't really like the peace but then oh there's there's another war i'm fine i'm fine um and then eventually very much closer to modern times there's there is a long bowl of peace and like someone mentions to him and he's like, why aren't, why am I not smiling? Why am I not happy? I don't, I don't like this. I don't like the peace. I have to save the world. I have to save humanity from a threat. There's no threat. I know what I'll do. And he goes to the old laboratory where he was built, uses magic to fix it and creates 12 new demon hearts that he's programmed to destroy the world. So yeah. that he has something to fight. <laughs> I love that his original like programming kind of sidesteps in like yeah. a, uh, in his old costume, and he's like, "Yes, this is perfect. We'll have world destruction, and we can save it again." <laughs> yes. Uh, this was so awesome. what we're learning about Leo is that this whole thing, everything that has happened, uh, is uh, is actually I should go a little farther. There's another demon invasion. This was Echidna's. And he real and he's like, oh, I can go save that. Wait, what was I just about to do? And he realizes I was gonna put the world in danger because now that he doesn't have that need, he can kind of think clearly. Have, he, yeah, he can get his his thoughts clear. And he destroys all the 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 science labs so that they're not being made anymore. And he realizes, oh, my heart, I, I'm the my evil one. Dropped. I'm the most evil yeah. thing in the world right now. I'm the one that has to be defeated. Uh, I'm the then, demon king. Yeah, I'm the demon <laughs> yes. king. So then he, when he sees Echidna and her, um, we're not going to kill humans. He's like, oh, okay, maybe she could be the one who takes up my mantle. Because I need someone to protect the world for me to be okay with being done. But I need to be done. Um, and that's everything that happened from that moment on. Every time he beat the generals, beat the Echidna, joined their army, trained them. This was all a job interview for them <laughs> to take on the role of human savior. Uh for him uh, as he's revealed and so that's that's his true backstory and then that's we so get... sad because he, he he finds himself being the danger so he wants to die but he doesn't but he does no no he doesn't really want to die but he sees no other way so yeah. he wants he wants to destroy himself to prevent that humanity's destruction and it's just so heart-wrenching. And I did not see this coming from this anime. This this was so out of left field, and it felt so refreshing. Yeah, what I saw, uh, every time that it showed him dealing with that 
horrible urge of like, I have to save the world. It was like watching a drug addict. Like I have mm-hmm. to get my hit. I, I've got to get it. I will do anything to get this hit, even be the villain. Um, I, that was awesome. Very well written. Um, we jump back to the battle and he's being hit. He could easily dodge, but he doesn't yeah. from Echidna's attack. It turns off all his abilities. He he goes through listing them, like uh, what I learned from Aquarius, <laughs> what I learned from Gemini. Um, yep. They're all gone. Yep. And then, um, but in this, like Echidna and him are like having this <laughs> internal monologue back and forth. He's thinking about like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is the right thing. You've earned this. And I'm not sure if I want to die, but, and then she's thinking like, he's worked so hard for thousands of years, how lonely he must've been. He needed someone to save him. And he's like, God, I just needed someone to save me. And (laughs) I'm not doing it justice. And I knew I couldn't do it justice. I didn't even try writing it down. I just wrote like, they have this internal monologue. It is very well done as they're looking at both sides of the coin and reaching to the same conclusion that the hero needs a hero, which sounds silly out loud. But again, they did a very good job of delivering that message. It's, it's kind of like, well, it's like Spider-Man's Mary Jane or Superman's Lois. Like they need that. Even though they're the powerful superhero, they need that support. It gets still, even sillier when people. it's like, it's the bad guy. That's going to be a good version of the bad guy. That's going to be your hero hero. <laughs> Uh, once his powers are deactivated the four generals all attack at once and Leo collapses Uh, they come up to him and he's like hey good job you guys got me his his chest is torn open he's like there's the philosopher's stone just reach in and pluck it out I'm running on I put myself on reserve power I have 300 seconds left Um, so you just make sure you get that out or I'll before I heal and Echidna asks him if he has any regrets. He's like, no, but I, he does apologize for causing them trouble. And then she decides, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing this. And she slaps him <laughs> in the face. She starts kicking him a little bit. And she's like, no. Nah, I love how they all beat him up while he's laying there. <laughs> she's And she tells him, I don't even want that anymore. And besides, you're going to work for me, so I'm going to have it anyway. Um, and then each each general does their own spiel about why he he's like, no, you pull it out. Uh, you know, Shatina, you got to pull it out. And they're all like, no, you're full of BS, man. You're I love clear. how he turns to Mirinus and is like, dude, he's the most, or he's the most uncaring, like <laughs> no emotions. He'll see it logically. Shatina has the best though. Cause she's like, you're, you don't make any sense. You say you have an ego. So you broke your own programming. Why don't you just go turn off your programming since you have an ego? He, and then he shows him in, like internally in his programming, like, just turn it off just like that that's impossible i can't do that would you shut up and it just turns off and it's like did i not turn it off because i didn't want to turn it off was that really just my bad <laughs> i love that because it, it brings me back to that drug addict thing which isn't quite right because drug addict is much more complicated but just the idea that sure. at any moment he could have actually fixed this but because he had that need i i want that need he could, and it was identity. He couldn't bring himself to even try. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I love that. And I, again, I love that Shatina did it. That character works for me. Yep. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he even argues with her, like, what do you mean? I can't just turn off. He's like, try. Okay, fine. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, then Echidna's like, look, if you really want me to take it out, I will. And he's like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> so he heals up and he gets up and she's like, I am offering you a job with me and you can quit being the hero. And I love that the title of this means two different things. There is the I'm quitting heroing, but then he the whole story is about him. Act, he didn't quit in the beginning like we thought he did. The whole story right. is about him getting to the moment to decide to quit being a hero. I love a double meaning like that. That's yeah. that's good. That's clever. That's good that's writing. Good. Uh, yeah, so he joins her. And then we get kind of an epilogue of him wandering around the castle and then find, finding the four generals all drunk on the floor, except for Echidna. Uh, and she's she's like, hey, do, do you regret that you decided to live? It'll probably be a while before you get to die now. And I understand that it's going to be really hard. She's like, no, I'm okay with it. And then he tells her, you don't have to take the role of the villain anymore. You got me on your team, and I know you're a good guy, and you can be that good guy that you want. She's like, I'm not a good guy. She's like, no, look around. You are the good guy. <laughs> it's time for you to be the good guy. So they come to that realization. They're having this moment, but they're interrupted. There's more work to be done. Crises have erupted. All the generals have to wake up. They jump up to their feet. Everyone's got to go handle their own crisis, and they'll figure out that Philosopher's Stone issue later. I, I forget when it was, but this moment called me back to when he, I think he was talking with Baroness and he was talking about how all the other demon hearts died and he became just so powerful from those fights that he missed his chance to die. And that that was heartbreaking to hear that and that we come full circle to this moment where now he doesn't feel like he's missed his chance to die again but that he's got no regrets about living felt really good. It was yeah, a really great. That's payoff. a good point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Technology moment with Jeremy. He mentions the Akashic engine and that that's what he runs on. And that's basically the same thing as the philosopher's stone. And yes. he also calls it a micro black hole. This is really cool. I looked up the Akashic engine just to like get a better understanding of what in the world they were referring to. And apparently the premise is that it's basically like the DNA of everything, right? So it's a record that exists in a state that is energetic and it contains everything from the past, everything from the present, and everything from the future, including imagination. So you can't tell reality from what people might think could be going on or perceive or imagine reality to be. And the only people who can actually read the Akashic Engine are clairvoyants. And what I just described is not from the anime. That's from our world. <laughs> huh. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's one way. I have nothing. To, I have no words. <laughs> no idea where to go with that. Technology yeah. with Jeremy. Let's go to final reviews. <laughs> Jeremy, this was your pick. What'd you think? I, <coughs> excuse me. I absolutely loved it. In the first half, I was actually having a little bit of trouble with it. Um, and that may sound like a contradiction, but it, just a little bit of trouble. Not enough to really mess up my appreciation for the show. But I was kind of a little bit bored with, you know, middle management seminar, <laughs> like you pointed out. <laughs> Not what I wanted when I came to this anime. Um they 
definitely made it pay off. They made it interesting, and it doesn't feel like it was just filler um, occupying the time until we could get to something cool. It was good development. It was good messages. It, it was interesting characters, uh, funny characters, good moments. So, um, yeah, I really liked that all together, the, the way everything panned out. And I, I'm, I'm really torn, but I think I'm going to give it a five. It's, it's a low five because it's not truly like I'm not 100% happy with it. But it is way better in so many ways than than many of the other anime that I've watched. And I just love the fact that how many times did we say, a lot of anime don't do this, but this one did on so many different things. And I love that. I really appreciate that. So it's a five for me. How about you, Jason? This is a solid four on paper. Um, it The animation was not stellar, but it was very good. Um <laughs> The story is a little slow in the beginning, but it ends up becoming great character development along with like these teaching lessons. They also were able to meld in really good story, like character arcs with it. Um, the, the multiple twists on multiple different angles in an anime that I was laughing at moments and felt almost like a comedy. Um, and I end up, doing mental exercises on some of the philosophy that this thing gives off. Uh, I'm so impressed with uh, the writing that I have to bump this up to a five. This is, this is an outstanding enemy. I'm going to go with a four. I, I don't think this anime is a five, but I also don't think the anime is trying to be a five and that's okay. I, I, I think it was, the first half is like, hey, here's here's minimal management seminar, like we said, and I'm like, well, that's really unique. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that before. It was presented through a fantasy, almost isekai, not non isekai, but kind of have that vibe. That's cool. I'm interested. And then it's like, okay, but also we have a layer. And I'm like, oh, oh that's <laughs> I didn't expect a layer. Uh, it's like finding some some buttercream in the middle of, of a, a, a treat you were eating that. That tastes pretty good. I didn't think that'd be there. I I don't think it fully set up its, its conclusion. The OP did, but the anime itself didn't. But there's nothing really wrong with it. I just don't think I, I just don't think it's like hitting super heights is all. So I I'm giving it a solid four, and it definitely deserves a good review for anything whose theme is, hey, your work is not your identity. Don't don't be your job. That'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> so so kudos to the anime for reminding me not to do that. I should not do that. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we forgot to mention that uh, there are two little extra after um, episodes. Oh yeah, Jeremy, you watched those. Any thoughts on yeah. them? Um, they are complete fluff, and you can ignore them 100%. They take place immediately afterward, and it's basically just a visit to the hot springs for work training that turns into um, a haunted prank. So that's it. And this is the first, like, maybe it's not the first, but it's the first in a long time uh, water. I'm going to say water because hot spring, beach, whatever, scene with, like, no etchy whatsoever. I mean, we've got, like you said, we've got a succubus and a demon queen here. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, I do, do want to mention, um, 
so when I tweeted that we were watching this, uh, Gamer Dad uh, mentioned that he had read the manga and that they had left some stuff out. Hmm. So for you manga readers, including you, Gamer Dad, uh, I, I'd love to hear in, in any of our comments um, what was missing, you know, what, what 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 they left out, what could have been added, and maybe that kind of would have maybe connected some of those different paths a little better. Yeah. But yeah, I'm very curious about that. But yeah, that's our that's our thoughts on the anime. We don't read; we just pretend we're a book club. We don't one hundred percent. Maybe right. Jeremy reads, but other things. <laughs> okay, so again, our next anime is Cyberpunk Edge Runner, and if you have any thoughts on I'm Quitting Heroine or anything else we discuss, you can feel free to leave a tweet on our Twitter at Baka Podcast or leave a comment on our website. TheAnimeBakaClub.com. There's a contact us button there. Or leave a comment wherever you found this podcast and it'll get to us. With that, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Sayonara.